been a while since I've recorded an episode and it's funny when whenever I start something I always get that initial burst of energy you may notice this yourself you might have a pattern for starting things but I certainly do I get that burst of energy and for a week two weeks maybe even a month it's like super easy to do and then there then there comes the dip and where that initial new novel excitement has worn off and now it's just doing the thing over and over again and a lot of things I'll pick up and then put down the during the dip being like actually it's not as cool as I thought it was um but so far the podcast is uh, drawing me back and I hope it will continue to draw me back because the reason I wanted to do this was more as an extension of my Instagram stories. So for the last year and a half, I've been posting almost daily updates on Instagram about what I'm doing. And I want to have this as a record so that I'm 26 now, you know, in 10 years time, when I'm making a million a year, several million a year, uh, I'm a public speaker, uh, I'm traveling around the world first class, Uh, I'm I'm charging hundreds of dollars an hour for machine learning consulting. Maybe I'm even doing blockchain stuff. When that all happens and people say, how did you get there? Or you're lucky or whatever. I can say, look, here's the actual proof when I was 26, what I was doing each day. And Instagram stories just, I don't think are a great medium for that. You know, they go away straight away. So... I want to do something permanent. I also realized I was scared to put myself out there in a permanent way. I'd gotten a bit soft with my Instagram stories. And I, when I first posted them, I was terrified about who was going to see them and my sisters. And I knew I would, <laughs> I knew that if I posted them and then when I was living with my parents, when I first started doing it, I'd go home and then my sisters would like look at me and be like, so what did you post on Instagram? Giving that weird judgmental look, which I uh, always fear from them for some reason. And maybe it's, you know, fearing someone someone you love and your family taking that love away. But uh, yes, then I got into that, the habit of Instagram stories and realizing, okay, people watch them, but I've done it for a year and a half now. And my number of Instagram followers hasn't really changed at all. And no one's seeing this. And I actually think I'm saying some pretty valuable stuff. I think I have got as better as a person. I've got better as being. So why not fucking put it out there forever and see what happens? So that's why I wanted to start this. And that's why I still want to carry on doing it. Because I've really, I've really built that habit over a year and a half with the Instagram stories of, of explaining how my day's going. I also do journaling every night. It's actually... 5 to 11 at night as I record this and I usually journal and I was about to sit down and write about my day and the lessons I've learned and usually I go through in chronological order and kind of look at lessons I've learned. Not every day is very exciting but I thought this was a great day. I thought I could use my journaling, which I haven't done yet, as inspiration for this episode and as kind of an extension of the Instagram stories. And one thing I think when starting a new habit is that, you know, the first few times you do it, like I said, 
can be easy. You'll make time in the day to do it. Like I'll, I'll deliberately, I won't do other things because I want to go outside and film a podcast because it's, because it's the new shiny, exciting thing. Oh no, I won't wash the dishes or, oh yeah, like I won't read as much or, you know, oh, I don't need to see any friends tonight. I'll just I'll record a podcast episode instead. And now that shiny glimmer is worn off and I'm like, maybe I should be doing other things. Maybe I should be spending time with my girlfriend. Maybe I should be going on a walk and not doing anything. Maybe I should be reading some more. And so now the podcast has to find its own rhythm. I think this is really key to getting any kind of long-term success or any of the long-term success I've had so far, uh, which isn't that much to be fair, maybe about two years worth with uh, machine learning uh, and data science coding. But it, it's building the habit into your routine. Like I've definitely got long-term success with journaling, for example, or meditation, both of which I've been doing for five years. I mean, I haven't been doing them every single day for five years, but it's so cool now, for example, to look back on my first journal entries and see what my goals were. And I've just done that by doing, you know, doing it, each day or as many days as I can. I have 900 journal entries uh, at the moment. So that's almost two years worth, like back to back. So I've obviously missed quite a few days in the last five years. But <clears throat> yeah, I think I just think like long-term things are built up by little things that you do every day. And I often start with journaling with, uh, actually I haven't done this for a while, but one little thing to help me is sitting down and saying, okay, I'm just gonna do five minutes. That's it. I don't have to do any more than five minutes. I'm just gonna quickly write down what I did today, any kind of challenges I faced, any lessons I might have learned, things I've been thinking about. And that's it, five minutes. And if I can finish out of five minutes, that's fine. No problem. And I say that earnestly because if you don't say it earnestly, you won't. If you're trying to trick yourself into doing it, it's not gonna work. You have to truly mean it and say like, and so sometimes I sit down, five minutes go past and I go, you know what? It's okay. I don't, I don't want to do any more today. I'm, I'm tired or whatever. But on other days, five minutes goes past and I'm, I'm super into it. I'm getting excited. I'm like, oh yes, I thought about this. I thought about that. Uh, oh, this happened and then this happened and this funny thing. And that's awesome. That's really, really awesome. And I may... This is what's bouncing around my head right now. I may do this for the podcast. I realized that I know nothing about podcasting. Well, next nothing. I started a podcast a year ago with my friend Sam. And we semi, we, we made like 30 episodes. They were great. They were really funny. But I don't really know anything about marketing a podcast. I don't really know what I want this to be. It's not really that focused. I'm not sure who's going to listen. But I do feel like I'm saying some valuable stuff and I do want to record it. So, and, and I'm, I'm feeling that the, I've got, I've got, I've got a bit into my head over the last few days. This is another thing with habits is that if you're trying to start a habit to do regularly, something you know you want to do regularly, um, let's say, for example, hypothetically, I want to film a podcast episode every day, which obviously I haven't been doing. And... I can film one every day for the first four days, first five days. But on that sixth or seventh day, there's going to be a day 
where it's going to be difficult to do it. And I may not do it. And then that one day where you don't do it is then the domino for all the other days. And it's just like, oh, well, the reason I didn't do it on Saturday was this. And then so Sunday comes around and you're like, well, Sunday's pretty similar to Saturday. Like, ah, whatever, I don't have to do it now. And then you get around to Monday and you're also not really feeling it. And you're like, oh, well, I f-. And, that, and then you feel bad. This is exactly what happened to me with podcasting this last weekend. Now on Monday, you feel bad. I'm like, oh, well, there's all this shit I'm supposed to talk about from Saturday and Sunday now. So should I record an episode with that? But new stuff is happening on Monday. And there's all this stuff going through your head. And I'm like, well, what should I speak about? Is this valuable? Or or maybe not that much happens. And I'm sat there and thinking, well, is what does what I'm saying have value? Should 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 I should I express this out to the world? Is this is this a waste of time? What if I just record a two minute episode? Like, who's going to listen to that? What's the point of that? And we we can get into this cycle of just overthinking, and this can metaphorically be applied to anything, right? This can this can be applied to working out at the gym, you know. Maybe maybe you want to build out a workout routine, um, lose some weight, put on some muscle, whatever, and. One day you're really not feeling it or you're like, I'm going to do some exercise every single day. And that some exercise could be five push-ups. You know, you could just start with five push-ups or 10 star jumps. And if you do that little bit every single day, fuck, it really, really, really fucking adds up. And I've noticed that so much with my meditation recently. Like I'm on an over 200 day meditation streak and fuck, like life is changing fast and I'm feeling present, I'm feeling calm, I'm feeling focused. I just feel fully like in the driver's seat all the time and just good shit just keeps happening over and over and over. And not much bad stuff is happening. And if something bad, if you can hear my air quotes, does happen... It's very easy to kind of move through it, see the lessons in it, grow from it, and move on. And I, I really get joy now telling people that I've, you know, I've, I've got a 200-day meditation streak where I'm doing an hour a day. And I am doing pretty much an hour a day, but there are some days where pretty much every day I'm doing an hour a day. But some days I don't. Like this weekend, for example, it was so, so, so nice to have a pattern break. And the last few weekends here, I've been spending in Corfu. I've been going for walks. I've been sitting and reading. But it hasn't felt totally different. But this weekend, oh my God, it was amazing. So it was Easter weekend in Corfu. And I'm from England and we have our English traditions. Um, but I've never been in Easter in Greece. And they have such different traditions here. It was amazing. So we went into Corfu town. And before 10 a.m., I think even from midnight, uh, from midnight till 10 a.m., maybe even before midnight, they play sad music. And in Greece, Easter happens like several weeks. Well, it's on the Orthodox calendar, so it's usually... Um, several weeks ahead after uh, Easter that is celebrated in England and Europe, rest of Europe. And they, so they play sad music to represent Jesus is dying. And then at 11 a.m., uh, this big uh, 
event happens, which is that everyone gathers in Corfu Town Square, and I imagine it happens everywhere else in Greece too, though I'm not 100% sure. And a huge crowd gathers, and then the people who own the flats or the the apartments uh, overlooking the town square, and I imagine over over uh, all of Corfu Town, they have these big pots. And actually, but as you're walking around before 11 a.m., there's street vendors, and they have these uh, clay pots, but they've painted them red, and they've put Kalo Pascha uh, written on them, which means Happy Easter. And uh, some of them have other things written on, but obviously it's all in Greek, and it's all Greek to me, so I don't understand it. And they, and there's, there's the sad music playing, and people buy these, and there's, there's various different sizes. One that might be the size of your fist, one that's maybe two fists on top, and then some quite quite large ones, maybe like several litres. Could even be like a, like a 10 litre bottle. I'm actually looking at a 10 litre bottle I've got here, even bigger than that. So, um, and then what you do with that 11, you then break them. And how do you break them? You break them by throwing them at the ground. And obviously, if you're stood on the ground in Corfu Town Centre, for example, as we were, and you throw it at the ground, it's going to smash. And that's cool. But what the people do who own the apartments, which is why everyone gathers in Town Square, is they get loads of these... Uh, gosh, I forgot the name. Uh, pots. <laughs> My bike. They get loads of these pots and then they throw them out of their windows. So these are people, they could be living like five stories up. Uh, thankfully, I don't think there's anything higher than five stories. And then they throw them out and they put water in the big ones so that when they smash, they, they don't fly everywhere. But some of the people are real, real showmen and they even get, uh, they get sponsored because they know that everyone in Town Square is going to be looking up at them. And obviously these are like the really expensive apartments because they're right in prime town, Times Square with an amazing view. And they, they really, they're amping up the crowd, say counting down three, two, one. And some of the pots are as big as a human and wider even than, than a human and um, full of water, really heavy. And, and then they throw them out of the window and they fly down and poof, and then they break and everyone's cheering and all around you at 11 a.m. you can just hear like mini explosions going off everywhere. Poof, 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 poof. And everyone's breaking these pots and people around you are throwing their pots on the ground and everyone's cheering. It was really, really cool. Really, really, really cool experience. And then afterwards, we uh, were walking around the town square and the floor is just covered in water and broken red clay pots. And you're just kind of walking over it, crunching under your feet. And it was cool. And it was really cool to have, to be around so many people. It's 2021 as I film this. So COVID is still uh, very much a thing. Not as bad as in 2020. But... Yeah, everyone was kind of wearing masks, but there was, it was so lovely to be around such a big crowd of people. And it was the first time since I've been in such a crowd where I felt like the end is coming, where it felt kind of it's getting back to normal now. And that was a beautiful feeling. Every time I was in a crowd in 2020, it, it felt a bit 
uncertain. Like, should we really be doing this? Is this really going to work? But now with the vaccine rollout and things, it's, it's, it's exciting. Afterwards, I went to get a haircut and, uh, gosh, uh, obviously you can't see my hair, but I've let it grow a lot the, the last few months just because I haven't really been near a hairdresser's and when it grows, it kind of, the sides of my head puff out. A bit like Sideshow Bob from <laughs> The Simpsons. No, not that bad. And so I sit down, I take my hat off, and then the barber, Yanis was his name, looks at me, and he just, he, sh- he goes, <sighs> shakes his head at me, and I'm like, yeah, I know. Uh, and he's like, what are we going to do with you? <laughs> and I said, well, usually I just shave the sides off and then just cut it short on top. And he was like, shaking his head. We, we won't be doing that. <laughs> so this is the first time in years I actually got my hair cut. And even though I was in a barber's and he did, an, he did such an amazing job and... Really, it was such a good job. I've been looking at myself in the mirror the past two days and just like, I can't like, I almost can't stop looking at myself. I'm like, wow, I look so good. So good. I'm absolutely loving this haircut. And I'm amazed how much of a difference it makes. Like I've been looking at myself in the mirror for the past, I'd say two months now, kind of disappointed, not really liking my hair. And it's so lovely to do it again and to look at yourself and think, fuck. Yeah, like I like myself. Like I like I like the way I look. Like I'm I'm good. Yeah, this is this is good shit. And yeah, that was that was so nice and really cool. And there was something I wanted to say. Oh yeah, so he said the barber that the massive crowds that we experienced today on the you know the pot throwing day were were basically were actually nothing he was like normal that's like 10 percent of what it usually is normally you can't even like walk around because it's so packed and i was like whoa crazy so yeah that was an amazing saturday experience another thing to do with my appearance which i'm really enjoying at the moment is i have Gosh, how old was I? When I was 21, I spent time, I, I kind of got, became better friends with uh, a different group of people uh, in my hometown. And a lot of them have piercings. And I was spending a lot of time with them, hanging out, enjoying it. And they all had piercings. And I'd wanted to get like a stretchy ear piercing for a while, but I'd always been nervous. And I... Because I, because I didn't want to make a permanent body modification. As I started this podcast episode, you know, saying I get that initial burst of excitement, and then it dies away. And so I, I don't have any tattoos yet, um, because I'm scared that if I get it, I'll like it for a year or two, and then like after that, I'll just be like, ah, oh, fuck, like this is awful, like I hate this, or why, why have I got this? And I'm stuck with it for life now. But. Uh, and that's kind of how I, kind of how I felt with getting my ears stretched, and um, so that's why I didn't do it, even though I wanted to to get uh, my earring my ear pierced. But in my final year of university, that was I was I was really really going through kind of my first period of like awakening and changing, and 
it was really it was really exciting uh, lots and lots of big changes it was my first kind of big period of growth and i f- i was like fuck it you know what i want to do this i want to get my ear pierced i'm, I'm going to fucking go and i was a bit lazy so i and i and i knew that i didn't want to get like really 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 fucking big stretchy ears that you can like put like your fingers through like two fingers three fingers a fucking fist through your ear like i don't like those at all i think they look horrible sorry to you if if you have one you know each their own actually why do i apologize that's my opinion you can have a different opinion i'm not sorry and but I thought that having smaller ones were cool because my friends had smaller ones. And I found out that you could go, I found out that you had to get a piercing and then you had to wait for it to, to heal and form a hole and then you had to stretch it a little bit and it would take like months to, of kind of stretching it slightly and stretching it slightly to get it up to the, the size I wanted, which was a four millimeter stretch. So... From, if you look at me facing, facing me, it doesn't look that bad. But, it, like, it doesn't look like I've got a hole. But if you look sideways on, or if I kind of pull my ear around, you can see, actually, that there is a little hole. And you can put, like, a pipe cleaner through it. And I was like, fuck it, I'm lazy. I just want to do it to get the stretch. So I'm just going to go straight. I'm just going to go straight there. So the, the guy doing the piercing, fuck me, covered in tattoos and covered in piercings and a lot of which were stretched. And I said to him, like, look, I want to get this, but I also want the option to, for it to disappear when I'm, when I'm older, you know, because I probably won't want this forever. And he was like, oh, yeah, like you can go up to four millimeters like straight away and that, that will close up and, and you'll be fine. Though thinking about it, he didn't actually say that. Like, I thought that's what he was saying, but he was just saying, like, look, I have piercings and they're much bigger. They're, they're like 13 millimeters. And now I've taken them out and now they're down to like eight or nine millimeters, you know, so so they get smaller. And I took this to mean that if you, if you take them out after you've stretched them and just leave them, then the skin will heal up and you'll have a normal looking ear again. But... That didn't happen. So I, well, what did happen? So he, he shoved this thing in my ear. It's kind of like the shape of a pencil. So sharp at one end and then it gets wider. And so it went from having no ear piercings to having that thick pencil pushed through my ear, bleeding, he put it in. Fuck, God, it was painful. God, I remember it now. God, it was painful. And I remember feeling a bit like totally out of it. My ear was super fucking sore. And I was like, oh my God, what have I done? But I loved it. And I was really happy with the, um, I was really happy with it. And I loved it, actually. I loved it for, for ages, my ear piercing. And then I had to take it out for a job in London. And I was like, oh, well, I guess it's fine. I was going a bit off it anyway. It's going to close up. And so I was massaging it every day. And then after a month, when it hadn't really gone any smaller, two months, still not smaller, and I was getting like spots on my ears because I was putting like coconut oil in it every day, I realized, shit, this, this isn't going to heal. 
this is my ear now. And when I don't have an earring, earring in, it's very, very clear that there's like a hole in my ear. You can put a pipe cleaner through. And yeah, that was difficult to accept it. Well, I was like, fuck it, like this is my life. I guess I just have to accept it now. And I've gone through periods, then I quit my job, I put it back in, and then I lost it months ago and I haven't put it back in. <laughs> what a bit of a tangent there. But now, uh, recently, with the new haircut, I was like, you know what? I think it's time to put my earring back in. So I put it back in over the weekend. It was a bit painful. And now when I'm looking at myself, I'm thinking, boom, I look good. And this is a big realization I had. That was something I've realized over the last few years is that I'm quite a feminine guy. And not feminine in, in a gay way, like I'm straight. I thought maybe I might be bi in the past, but no, I've never done anything with a guy. It makes me just feel a bit weird thinking about it. Not, doesn't doesn't feel for me. I like girls, but I am feminine because I have five sisters. And I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, you know what? I think this earring does make me look more feminine, but I think that actually brings me more into my power. Like I'm looking at myself the last few days with my hair cut and my earring. I'm like, at first it was weird. and I wasn't sure if I liked it, but now I really like it. I really, really, really like it. And these last few days have been have been really great. Um, Monday and Tuesday. And I think looks definitely have a part of it. And feeling good about yourself, feeling good about your body can have such a big impact on, on your life, your life situation, how you approach a day, how you approach other people you're talking to. And something as, something as simple as having a haircut I didn't realize can make such a big difference. So I'm definitely going to keep that in mind for future because this is the best haircut I've had in years and it has made such a big difference. Usually I was just like, in the past, I'd be like, ah, whatever, it doesn't really matter. You know, I'll be fine, whatever. But now I'm aware of it. Fast forward to today and I've been working on uh, machine learning projects uh, a specific machine learning project actually for a client getting paid $50 an hour. Really happy for that with that. And yesterday I worked all day. I poured my heart and soul into my work. I feel like I did everything my um, mentor asked me to do. And the results weren't coming. And it's funny, in the past, I, I think I would feel bad about that. I feel like I'd done something wrong. But really because of this meditation, because I feel like I know I'm taking right action all the time now, I, I I, didn't feel bad even though I hadn't got the results. I was like, I know I've done everything I possibly can and I know I haven't left anything on the table. And yeah, maybe we just, you know, we need to talk to the client. We need, we need to do something. We need to maybe try some different approaches. Now we need to talk to him about that, my mentor, or I could talk to, to the client about it. And today I finished off my work from yesterday, today's Tuesday. And it was, I only, it only took me about an hour. And then I realized, and I did the thing that I was kind of struggling to do the, the back, the back end of yesterday. And I realized, fuck, I had this flash of inspiration. I don't think I need to do anything else today. I've already billed 11 and a half hours for this week. The, the client said he only wants us to do 20 hours per week. 
and I, I think I've, I'm, I've hit a point where I need to talk to the client. And that was, this was a huge realization for me because then I realized, oh, I should just, I don't need to do any more work today. I should just stop. I can take the rest of the day off. And for months, years, my whole life even, you, you, like it's always during the day you have to work. And, but it hit me and it's definitely hit me in the past a few weeks ago, I think, where I thought I should stop working now. There's no point. But I forced myself through it. And my ego today, when it happened, was like, said to me, oh, but Adam, you could do this. You could try this. But my heart and my heart wasn't in it anymore. And I knew this wasn't the right thing to do. So I listened to that sign. I listened to that intuitive knowing and decided to stop working. And I had a wonderful, wonderful rest of the day. Um, what did I do? I did some life admin. I did some little walks. I finished off read, listening to two audiobooks. Uh, first one was the, vol- the Internet of Money, Volume 2 by Andreas Antonopoulos, 8 out of 10. Really, really great book on, if you want an intro to cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. Though I would recommend the Internet of Money Volume 1 first because I think they chose all of his best talks to put in the first volume. The second one was good but wasn't as mind-blowing or as amazing as the first one. And then I also finished off How to Listen to and Understand Great Music 3rd Edition, which is a mammoth 36 and a half hour course, which took me 10 months to finish listening to on Audible. And... By this guy Robert Greenberg and it was just wow it takes you from the start of music history that we that we know of all the way up to the 20th century and it's just mind-blowingly amazing god damn like I learned so much about classical music it really it really kind of lit the flame for my interest in classical music and kind of shed light on something that is so opaque to us nowadays. If you listen to a piece of classical music, we have no idea what's going on. We have no idea really what any of it means, but it's all done in a very clever way. It's all, a lot of it has a structure, or if it doesn't have a structure, then the fact it doesn't have a structure has meaning because um, like the people who heard it first when that music first came out and it didn't have a structure, that was a big surprise to them because all the music they heard before had this particular structure. So the fact that this music didn't have a particular structure or had a different structure, whoa, crazy. But for us, we we don't know that because we, um, you know, we hit hip-hop nowadays, country music, rap, reggae, pop music, whatever, like we're not used to this classical music anymore, all the classical musical forms, and that was amazing, real, real, real 10 out of 10 course, like definitely like a podcast episode in itself, I imagine I will listen to, uh, speak about it more, but really, really exciting, I've started listening to classical music more, I definitely want to go regularly to like classical music performances, I think when I'm in, you know, making more money and maybe living in some of the bigger cities, Berlin, Amsterdam, they'll definitely have uh, orchestras playing regularly. And I think that would be something I would love, 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 love to go along to. Because one thing I realized is that if you're listening, for example, to a symphony, symphonies are designed, you know, to sit in a big concert hall and they're going to be played to you. And it's not like, 
happy, happy, fun, fun, like light music necessarily. Like some of some of these are fucking dark or they're really intense. It's kind of like watching watching a movie, I suppose. And you know, you can have happy movies, but you can also have really dark, fucking twisted movies too. And you, you can't, you don't really know what's going to happen before the before you listen, and. If you're trying to enjoy, you know, listening to something in the background while you're cooking and then this like super crazy intense shit comes on, um, that can be, you know, maybe that's not what you want because they're all just called symphony number one, symphony number five. Um, and that's why this course is so great and that it broke down some of the, the super popular symphonies, for example, Beethoven symphony number five, the dun, 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 dun. Like that's fucking amazing. And the way he breaks it down in the course just really, really absolutely blew my mind. And Robert Greenberg actually has another course, which is called the Symphonies of Beethoven. So Beethoven only wrote nine symphonies. Um whereas in comparison to this this other guy, Joseph Haydn, who in his life wrote over a hundred symphonies, but the thing with Beethoven is that all of his nine symphonies are completely different and all completely brown, groundbreaking in their own way. But with Joseph Haydn, all of his symphonies followed the exact same formula. And that therefore it was a lot easier for him to create a lot of them. And in this other course, the symphonies of Beethoven, Greenberg will goes through and he's going to break down every single symphony in like minute detail and explain like what this means and what these motives mean and what this has been called and like let me draw your attention to this point here and it's oh god i'm so looking forward to that i think that's going to be really 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 amazing i love the kind of music analysis i'm also listening to at the moment an incredible podcast series um called decode which is an english version of a podcast series called dissect and dissect um, analyze. So it's a podcast series based these made by these American guys, and in each season they break down an entire album of music. So and they go, and each episode is dedicated to a particular song, and they go through you know line by line, beat by beat, uh, and explain kind of the meaning behind it and and everything, and really analyze it. And uh, they did. Beyonce's album, I think Lemonade, is that what it's called? And they've also done Kendrick Lamar's Damn. And another album called Blonde, but I can't remember who it's by right now. And the UK version, Decode, is the exact same format, but for UK music. And this is the first season, and they're breaking down Dave's Psychodrama, which in 2019 won the Mercury Music Prize. And oh my God, it's fucking amazing. One of my favorite albums, I listened to it last year. And for the first time, and I've been listening to it just like on repeat, um, going through phases, but like so, so, so amazing. This guy, he was only like 20 when he made this and just incredible. Like I love lyrics. I love learning lyrics, singing along all the time. And it's so amazing to listen to that and understand the music at such a deeper level. And as you can hear, I love, I love all this music analysis and... Therefore, I kind of love the music analysis more in some ways than listening to the music, especially for something like classical music, which is actually really fucking complicated and 
it's a lot easier to follow along with the analysis. Um, so I haven't, I can't say I, I profess to listen to loads of classical music at the moment. The only, the most classical music I listen to is like, uh, we'll put on like relaxed classical music in the background when we're eating dinner, which does kind of count, but it's not the same as like sitting and listening to a particular piece like deliberately or like putting on in the background to listen to it. And one reason for this is I'm on a big, big, big hype of just consuming information, finishing things. And I want to, last year I read 54 books and I'm definitely going to read at least 52 books this year. But I've changed it slightly in that I'm also going to let myself um, include podcast series for example, decode, because especially if they're, if they're long enough, like at least four hours long, I think that's like the same as a book. And it's still, as, as long as it's teaching me something and I'm learning from it, I think that's totally valuable. So I'm so excited to to listen to the one about Dave. And I'm also listening to Where Should We Begin by Esther Perel, which is fucking mind-blowingly amazing as well. She's a sex therapist and she, these are like, 11 episodes I think and each episode is an actual therapy session with with her and an actual couple recorded but you don't hear like names or anything like they've kind of been removed and personal details but wow so 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 amazing and I know it's recently I'm listening to so much and I'm not reading as much and sitting down as reading and so today I was like finally I'm gonna quit I'm gonna stop doing work today I'm gonna relax I want to sit down and read and I sat down and I looked at all my books looked at the things of my kids and I was like oh, none of these are exciting me and this this has been playing on my mind for a while and I couldn't figure out what was wrong honestly for, for a couple of months actually like none of my books have really excited me they haven't really gripped me like I read a book in February called The Wise Man's Fear by Patrick Rothfuss, which is, oh my God, amazing. One of my favorite books of all time. And I just absolutely love reading and being gripped by something and you're not able to put it down. And you're just so immersed in the story and you want to keep going back, keep going back and keep going back. And that's the only thing you want to read. And I really fucking missed that. And I thought, why not just read a thriller book? So I... Uh, went on Amazon and saw like what the top books in the thriller section today and went through and looked at some and I eventually decided on American Dirt. I'm not sure who it's by but it's like number 13 on the charts at the moment in worldwide and it's also New York Times bestseller, Sunday Times bestseller and oh my god wow so exciting like the the quote on the front is something like you know when they like they quote like a review it's something like <laughs> like I will never forget this book I could not stop reading it uh, another one says uh, easily best book of the year so far and maybe even best book of the decade already it's only 2021 so yeah that was like okay I definitely need to read this and I wanted something you know I couldn't put down and I started reading it and yeah it's so 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 exciting it's about this um but also touching and harrowing it's about this this uh woman and her son and basically they survive a mass shooting um, in Mexico and from like a cartel because her husband is a reporter and he's like reporting about the cartel and they told him to stop and he didn't 
and they somehow survived and it's their kind of journey of, to escape and no idea what's going to happen no idea if they're going to survive no idea if they're going to kill the cartel leader if they're going to live happily ever after literally i have no idea but it's so 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 exciting so nervous and it's so lovely to have that feeling of being excited uh, by a book again and wanting to go back and not wanting to put it down i think that's just such such an awesome feeling my god how have i spoke for 40 minutes uh one of my other goals was i thought that my podcast episodes were too short so i wanted to do longer ones and boom here we are final thing i want to talk about is no fap or rather non-ejaculation so one of my first podcast episodes talked about masturbation and since then about two weeks has passed and I decided I wanted to go it alone, you know, I wanted to see, I didn't want to put any limits on me, if I want to masturbate, I'll masturbate, if I want to come, I'll come, and I found that I was just so needy for cum, um, and when I was having sex with my girlfriend, I would just, you know, I wouldn't be happy unless I came, or I would always, like, force myself to come, and then every time I did, I never felt good, I never felt good afterwards, I would always have that low where I thought, ah, I think I should be saving this. And I bought a book called The Semen Retention Miracle to kind of help me along the way. And last Sunday, it snapped for me. Uh, not this Sunday, a couple of days ago, but last Sunday, kind of nine days ago. And I was like, I was depressed, not de a bit depressed after having just come. And I was like, you know, what? I don't want to do this. At the last like week, every time I've come, I've just felt depressed. And I thought, why the fuck have I done this? Maybe I should have done something better. And... So I said to my girlfriend, right, it's Sunday today. I will not come for two whole weeks. I don't care if we have sex, whatever. I'm not going to come for two weeks now. And if I fail, I will pay you one pound. And the fact of committing to her by word, but also having that monetary commitment, even though it's just a pound, has really, really had a profound impact. And fuck, the first week was pretty tough. I spent like the first three days just avoiding sex because I, I was like, fuck, I, I don't want to have sex because this is just going to be an ordeal and it's going to be difficult and I'm just going to be trying not to come the whole time and it's not going to be fun. But then I think it was on Wednesday or Thursday where we did have sex and... It was difficult, I won't lie. It was different, not goal-oriented at all, very slow, very sensual. I didn't want to build up or anything, but also kind of satisfying. So I, I have taught myself already how to have non-ejaculatory orgasms. So there's two kind of ways you can do it. One way is you can like tense your penis just before you're about to come. I don't really like that way. I haven't. I found that to be very frustrating. But another way is more to do it with breathing. So when you notice kind of uh, the, the orgasm building, you breathe into your penis and then you breathe out and you visualize, you know, all that, all the orgasm kind of moving through your spine and up your body and out the top of your head. I want to be honest, when I heard this, I was like, that sounds so fucking stupid. But it's actually worse. Like, I'm not going to say like, I'm, I'm like having visions and light shooting out of my head or anything. Um, but it, it just, it's just a helpful image to get like the idea of it like flowing around your body. And then I start, I start shaking and moaning and it definitely doesn't feel like a, 
like a, a normal ejaculatory wet orgasm. Uh, it lasts for a lot longer. It's not as intense, but and to be honest, it didn't feel as satisfying. But I've noticed that if I have kind of two of those by the end of set, like two of those, and I can feel satisfied, or two of those, and like I lose my erection and I lose the kind of uh, intense, crazy horniness that's inside me. And that's really amazing. That is really, really amazing. And over the weekend, there were times when, you know, we're having sex and I was just like, fuck it, you know, like, come, I come, or whatever. And, you know, maybe my girlfriend's giving me a blowjob or something, and I was just like, wow, this is just so amazing. Like, maybe I'll just come. And it didn't happen. And it's got easier now. And we had sex this evening, and I thought I was going to come again. And I was like, you know, whatever, come, whatever. But I didn't. And I had my non-ejaculatory orgasms again, and my my dick got soft, and yeah, and I, and I feel satisfied, I feel great, like, I, then I came and recorded this podcast episode, and that's like a real fucking crazy life alone, and I felt so much better, I felt like a better lover, I feel like I'm more present, I'm not as outcome dependent, and actually I'm enjoying not coming, because I'm, I'm having more energy now, I'm more focused, I feel more present in my work, and I'm really seeing some benefits from this now, I don't feel like I'm fully converted and I'm never going to come again. Uh, I'm sure I will come again, but I'm seeing so many benefits to not coming and I'm seeing as well benefits to in how I am as a lover and how I am just in my life in general. I, I feel like I'm more, uh, as I just said, and that's really, really, really cool and really, really, really exciting. And yeah, I'm excited to see where it goes. Uh, I don't know what will happen, you know, if I have sex with a girl who isn't my girlfriend. Um, how she's going to react if, if she wants to go fast or whatever and whether I do and, and whatnot. But I think that's a, that's a bridge I will cross if and when I get to it. And as a side note, me and my girlfriend are talking about opening up our relationship. If, if you're thinking I'm like, like cheating, going to cheat on her or something, um, which is why I can say that. And yeah, I'm amazed how how good it is and, and how I'm able to enjoy sex in the evening, feel great afterwards, we have a nice hug and cuddle and chat or whatever, and lying in each other's arms, feeling loved, feeling loving. And at the same time I know I've I've done something good for me and I haven't drained myself. You know, like um like going out on a Friday night and having a massive party night is great fun, but it also drains you. And that if you get wasted, you wake up on Saturday, you've got a hangover, and you're like, oh, fuck, I feel awful. Like sometimes you can go out partying Friday, Saturday, and then by the time it gets to Monday and you get back to work, you feel awful. Um, and that's how I felt like it was happening with sex. You know, I have sex in the evening, it's nice, but then the next morning I feel a bit drained, or even immediately afterwards I feel drained. And now with not coming... I definitely have more energy. I definitely don't feel as drained. Gosh, whew, that was a fucking mammoth update. Almost 50 minutes, 50 minutes of nonstop talking. And wow, that was so, that was fun. I'm so tired now. I genuinely thought, like I said, right at the start, I was like, I'll just record a quick episode. We'll see what happens. But wow. Yeah, there we go. Um, 
thank you for listening if you if you did listen this far and i hope you enjoyed it i really enjoyed making this i really did and i'm looking forward to making more to recording more to improving public speaking skills to putting my message out there to you know finding and documenting my journey so thank you so much for listening i really appreciate you i love you and i look forward to speaking to you in the next one